Hi, everybody. Welcome to Track Track. I'm your host, Justin Chang, and with me is Randy Nelson. Let's get ready to triple! Except there are no triples in either episode we watched. <laughs> but I just had to say that uh, sure. again. Yeah, trust me, Justin has not just heard me say that twice in the oh, last yeah, 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, totally new to me. <laughs> it's totally new. It's not getting annoying. Yeah. Hey, buddy, how's it going? Not pretty good. We've been having a bit of a heat wave right now, and uh, it's kind of miserable. Oh, really? Even the great uh, Pacific Northwest is hot? Yeah. I didn't think that was possible. I thought it just rained. It was, like, really cold all the time. I wish. I wish that were true. I prefer the rain. Uh, Yeah, this weather is kind of unbearable. Uh, And the apartments around here do not have air conditioning. Because it didn't ever probably used to get that hot. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, Sounds like a uh, a, a Trek episode uh, <laughs> about global warming. I'm sure if Trek were on TV right now, there'd probably be a lot of uh, very relevant plots about global warming and, you know, the environment and stuff. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's what Trek's all about. Right. So, hot, hot stuff. It's warm in here, and I had to close the windows for a recording, so it's getting <laughs> even hotter right now. Uh, let's talk about Star Trek Enterprise. How about that? Yeah, let's, I mean, let's see if we can get through both of these before you die of heat stroke. <laughs> it's our new mini game that we're going to play. Um, that is right up there with, what was it? How many episodes until triples appear? Uh, what was the other one? How many episodes, uh, this season will involve the Vul- uh, Vulcans in mm-hmm. some major capacity. So and we're, we're putting our bets on folks. So. You want to play this game? Uh, get us on on Twitter at uh, the Justin Chang or at Danger Penguin and play along at home. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, let's talk about season two, episode seven, the seventh. Hmm. Appropriately titled. Yeah, kind of sad. Spoiler alert, it's not all about it being the seventh episode of the season. Or it's not about seven of nine. Hmm. The Seventh Seal? It's not, like, weirdly, like, satanic in Uh, any way? The Seventh Star Trek movie, Generations? Hmm. Yeah. It's not a version of the Seventh Samurai. We actually got that last week with Marauders. It's not Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens? That would be a huge twist. (laughs) I gotta say. Be pretty amazing. What is it about, Justin? The 7th, original air date, November 6, 2002. Episode opens. Paul is reading in her quarters when she gets a communication on her computer. It's encrypted. A Vulcan woman appears on screen and tells Paul that they have located a man named Manos. Opening credits. Uh... T'Pol visits Archer in his ready room. Archer is eating toast for breakfast. T'Pol tells him that uh, Admiral Forrest will be calling him. And she knows because she spoke to the Vulcan High Command and they need her help with a matter of security. Enterprise will be taking T'Pol to the Pernaya system where she'll need a shuttle pod and a pilot for three to five days. She refuses to tell Archer what the matter of security is. Uh, he knows she's tasked with retrieving someone, but he doesn't know why it has to be to Paul to do it. And uh, she still refuses to answer any of his questions. Even though he outranks her. Uh, anyways. Uh, 
In the Situation Room, the senior officers are meeting. Archer tells Mayweather that he will be the one to pilot the shuttle pod. Archer is a little peeved that no one, not even Admiral Forrest, knows where exactly in the Pranaya system the shuttle pod will be going. Uh, Trip and Hoshi figure out that they're not going to Pranaya Prime because it has a methane-based atmosphere. Archer tells Trip that the Enterprise is supposed to wait at Pranaya Prime until T'Pol and Mayweather return. Uh, T'Pol tells Archer that she will need cold weather gear, restraints, and phase pistols. Okay, so she's doing a little uh, dog bounty hunter action. Yeah, exactly. Pretty much, except it's T'Pol bounty hunter. Uh, later, Archer's in his quarters. He's throwing a water polo ball at the wall. So, you know, from previous episodes, when he does that, that means he's upset. Mm-hmm. Also, by the way, Captain Archer really likes water polo. I don't know if you noticed. Yeah. But and he... doesn't seem to care uh, about people in adjoining quarters. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is the captain. What, yeah, are, what are they going to say? Yeah, Captain Archer throws ball against the wall again. Uh, T'Pol enters. Archer sarcastically tells her that he can find another water polo match to watch if the Vulcan High Command doesn't approve of this one. T'Pol reminds him that his orders came from Starfleet and not the Vulcan High Command. T'Pol reveals to him that before she was a scientist, she was in the Ministry of Security, trained in reconnaissance and retrieval. She tells him about the planet Agaron, who are currently close allies, but it was a very corrupt world in the past. The leaders wanted an alliance with Vulcan and asked for the Vulcan's help nearly 30 years ago. Hundreds of Vulcans were surgically altered and infiltrated and eventually overthrew Agron's criminal societies. The agents were recalled, and all but 19 of them returned. T'Pol and her fellow operatives were sent out to get the rogue agents 17 years ago. She only got five of the six fugitives that she was assigned to get. Uh, and she is at Pranaya to get the sixth because the Ministry of Security considers it a matter of honor. Hmm. T'Pol is telling Archer all of this because she wants him to accompany her because she trusts him. As she's leaving, Archer asks who they're going to apprehend, and she reveals that his name is Manos, which we as the audience already know. Yeah, or Manos, like that great Mystery Science Theater 3,000 episodes? Oh, if if only. The Hands of Fate? Okay, anyways. Archer doesn't want to reveal to the Vulcan High Command that he's going with her. Uh, He refuses to tell Trip what's going on. Trip wants to know where Archer is going in case he gets hurt or kidnapped. And Archer just tells him that T'Pol has unfinished business. (laughs) Seems seems like a prudent move on his part. (laughs) Uh, the shuttle pod departs Enterprise. In the shuttle pod, T'Pol gives Archer the lowdown on Manos. Manos made a fortune smuggling synthetic biotoxins. He used his money to stay one step ahead of T'Pol. The only time she got close was once on Ryza. Hmm. She lets slip that she might be hunting for more than one person, but she corrects herself and moves on. On Ryza, she got 20 meters, maybe even 10 meters away from Manos, but he slipped away. And she gets a little emotional when telling the story. Oh, which, uh, very unwelcomely. You know, for a second, I almost thought they were implying that this is what she was doing while 
the other characters were doing other things on the Ryza episode, but I guess it was actually a long time ago. Yes. At this point. So. Yeah, I actually thought that too. I, I was like, oh, oh so that, that Ryza episode was more interesting. Yeah, it actually had uh, some relevance to the rest of the show. <laughs> Uh, the shuttle pod lands at a compound on a snowy world. The away team enters a bar where a wide array of aliens are milling about. It's kind of like the cantina in Star Wars. Yeah, it also kind of, I mean, maybe it's just the, the snowy atmosphere, but it kind of reminded me of the location from the pilot where they go, the snow, snowy mm, planet. Yeah, Anyways. I can see that. Yeah, but it's totally like a, a Star Wars cantina. I'm sorry, Star Trek cantina. <laughs> Uh, according to Tapal's scanner, Manos is there within 30 meters of their location. Eventually, Manos walks up right behind Tapal, but she is shoved aside by some aliens and she loses him. She runs over and tells Archer that he saw her. Uh, Archer whistles to get Mayweather's attention and Manos starts shooting at him. There's some confusion, but it turns out that Mayweather got the drop on Manos. The way team puts cuffs on Manos and takes him away. On the Enterprise, acting Captain Tripp is watching water polo in Archer's dining room. <laughs> uh, Flox and Reed enter. Uh, they're there to have lunch. Tripp had Chef prepare bangers and mash for Reed and Denobulin sausage for Phlox. Uh Phlox tells Tripp that he detected a lymphatic virus that was probably on the deuterium canisters they brought aboard. Huh? Little, you know, continuity there? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um... He wants permission to inoculate the crew, uh, though the inoculation has some side effects, including headache, nausea, and diarrhea. Hmm, great. Space diarrhea. Uh, Trip wants to wait for Archer to return before that decision is made, but Flox uh, explains that it is time-sensitive. Reed needs to recalibrate the torpedo launchers, but he needs to divert computer access from main engineering, which means shutting down the warp core. Trip doesn't want to take the engines offline, even for a day. As Trip is about to eat, he gets a call from Hoshi, who tells him that the Vulcan ship Naran is approaching and that they want to speak with Archer. As with everything else, Trip will get back to them later. <laughs> He's really you know, shirking the responsibilities of acting captain at this point. Well, he thought it was just going to be all yeah. fun and games, but no, there's he a finds lot of... out Archer actually has decisions he has to make. Yeah, there's a lot to do. He can't just hang around watching water polo in his his dining room all the time. <laughs> uh, Hoshi calls again and tells him that the Captain Tavik got a message from Admiral Forrest and really wants to speak with Archer. I'll get back to you. Trip replies. Back on the snowy planet, the way team is told by some sort of official that their warrant is valid, but they can't take Manos for at least another four hours because they've begun thermalizing the landing deck. They can't go to the shuttle pod, and because this isn't a prison, they have nowhere in the compound to lock him up. In the bar, Manos is handcuffed to a table. T'Pol assures Archer that Manos works alone, but Manos says that wasn't always the case. There's another flashback to T'Pol chasing Manos through the jungle on Ryza. Uh, Manos tells Archer Mayweather that he's in for three years of rehabilitation, and that's why he ran. He also claims that he is not a thief nor a smuggler. He's been making a living for the past 20 years hauling spent warp injector casings. 
Uh, he asked Mayweather to pull out a hologram of his family from his pocket so he can look at it. The exposure to the injector casings is killing him, and he doesn't want to die in a Vulcan prison. Spall tells him that the Ministry says that he's a biotoxin dealer. Uh, Manos tells Archer that the Vulcan government only cares about having all 109 agents that were sent to Agron accounted for, dead or alive. Uh, Manos is guilty of being a fugitive, and he doesn't want to be shot for it. Another flashback to Ryza. Uh, there's another man following Manos as they flee from T'Pol. There's also a scene of her being restrained on a bed. Uh, back in present day, T'Pol reaches out for Manos with a knife. She cuts off some straps from Manos's jacket and wraps them around her feet, which will protect her from the acid on the landing deck. She runs outside, telling Archer that she wants to see if Manos's ship really is full of injector casings. Uh, she enters the ship and goes to the cargo hold, the crates are full of injector casings, as he said. So he could be telling the truth. Uh, Flashback time again. Manos and the other guy are running, and the other guy falls down. We learn his name is Jocelyn. There's another vision of T'Pol on the bed as a Vulcan reads from a book. In the present, T'Pol digs through another crate and finds nothing but injector casings. On the Enterprise, Hoshi tells Trip that Tavik has never spoken to Archer in person. Uh, Tavik appears on screen. Trip tells him that he's Archer. Uh, Tavik relays Admiral Forrest's message. Cal beats Stanford 7-3. to three. So Trip had to impersonate Archer just to get the score for a water polo game. <laughs> I know. Ridiculous. Uh... Back in the bar, T'Pol has returned. She tells Archer that she's found nothing but spent injector casings. Uh, Archer and Mayweather leave to allow T'Pol to speak with Manos alone. She asks him who Jocelyn is. Manos tells her that Jocelyn also didn't want to be rehabbed. Uh, flashback time again. Jocelyn falls down and reaches for something. Back in the present, Manos tells T'Pol that she met Jocelyn on Ryza. Flashback, Jocelyn falls and T'Pol points a pistol at him. Back to the present, Manus wonders why T'Pol wants him to tell her stuff she already knows. Uh, she thinks Manus is lying to her because she followed only Manus to Ryza. Flashback, Jocelyn is on the ground reaching for a gun and T'Pol shoots and kills him. In the present, Manus tells T'Pol that Jocelyn was innocent. Another flashback, this time of an old Vulcan man reading from a book as T'Pol is struggling on a bed. In the present, Manos asks why she killed Jocelyn, and he reminds her that she's only supposed to repress the emotion of killing, not the memory of it. Uh, she screams at him to stop talking. Uh, she's shaken and goes back to Archer. Archer and T'Pol go outside. Uh, she reveals that there were actually seven fugitives, not six. So there you go, the seventh. Yeah, there we go. Uh, she had forgotten about Jocelyn and killing him until today. She tells Archer about the Falara, an obsolete Vulcan ritual in which the memory of an event is repressed along with the emotions associated with it. After killing Jocelyn, she quit the ministry and went to Pajem for guidance because she felt so guilty. Uh, she wasn't certain that Jocelyn really was going to shoot her before 
uh, she killed him. She had the ritual performed on her, and she forgot about Jocelyn. The memories came back to her when she got the call about her current mission. Uh, suddenly, there's the sound of crashing behind the door. The door opens, and people come flooding out. Inside the bar, there's fire in the corner of the room. Mayweather tells Archer and Paul that the fire started because Manos kicked over a table. He'd rather burn to death than go back to Vulcan and be punished for crimes he never committed, he claims. Uh, T'Pol uncuffs Manos to save him from the fire. Part of the ceiling comes crashing down, knocking down T'Pol. When Archer goes over to her, he can't find Manos. Archer, Mayweather, and T'Pol exit the bar. Uh, Archer asks T'Pol where Manos' ship is. After all, her mission is to return him to Vulcan, not to determine his guilt or innocence. And she leads them to Manos' ship. So, assumably, all the acid has dissipated. Right. I was thinking, wait a second. What? They just went through this whole rigmarole about how she had to wrap straps around her feet. Now they're just running across it. <laughs> it yeah. didn't take very long to dissipate. Yeah, the guy said it was going to be four hours, so I guess they were just sitting around for a while. Inside Manos' ship, T'Pol's scanners tell her that Manos is not aboard. Archer wants to be sure, and they check out the cargo bay. He's not there. Uh, T'Pol says that he probably left in another ship, and Archer notes that she seems okay with that. Archer tells her that Manos got in her head and is playing on her guilt. Mayweather interrupts and asks Archer to check something out at the helm. He discovered a conduit that is powering something. Archer turns off the power. In the cargo hold, a holographic wall disappears. Manus is standing there, gun in his hand, which is pointed at T'Pol. Archer and Mayweather go back to the cargo hold. Manus holds T'Pol hostage and tells Archer and Mayweather to, uh, to enter a nearby locker. He then has T'Pol lock them in. Uh, as she's doing so, however, Archer rushes out, knocking her down, and he grabs the phase pistols that they put down earlier. There's a firefight. Uh, they pin Manos down. He tells them to stop. With his hands up, he walks over to a panel on the floor and escapes. Outside, Paul chases after Manos. She points her phase pistol at him and tells him to stop. Manos says that she won't shoot another innocent man and starts walking away as Paul is frozen in place. Archer walks over and reminds her that she wanted him there because she trusts him. Archer asks her to trust him now, and he reminds her that they're there to apprehend Manos, not to judge him. She shoots Manos as he's walking away. In the back. Yeah, well, you know, he's walking away. Well, yeah, 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 but you know, she shot a guy in the back. And they had to bring him in. He's totally innocent. Uh, so he claims. Mm-hmm. True, true. In the cargo hold, Archer ties Manos up. Uh, Mayweather tells Archer and T'Pol that there were biotoxins in the area that Manos was hiding in. Uh, Captain Starlog, as the shuttle pod returns to the Enterprise, Manos was handed over to the Naran. In Archer's ready room, Archer calls Trip and tells him that they're going to go warp three. In engineering, Trip asks Archer about the mission. Archer replies that he meant to say warp four. Uh, T'Pol enters the ready room. Uh, it's not going to be easy to deal with her memories, but she's ready to return to work because she was younger then, and she spent a lot of time around humans who are used to dealing with emotions and moving on. She tells him that he can trust her as she leaves. The Enterprise works away as the episode ends. So, Manos, 
Turns out, not a good guy. No, he's hauling toxins around. Mm-hmm. Biotoxins. So he's basically like a nerve gas dealer. Yep. <laughs> so we don't know whether or not he actually was sick from hauling around the warp injectors, or it was just, it was probably all just a lie, right? Yeah, he was trying to get as much sympathy as possible yeah he probably wasn't even his family there's probably the the holographic family that comes pre-installed on the holographic projector <laughs> that's it's pro- like yeah yeah that's probably true yeah it's kind of like when you buy a picture frame that has like happy people in it and you just set it up and you know make it look like that's your family you know have you ever done that no no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> it's the star trek equivalent of that basically um i actually liked this episode um you know, we've been, I feel like we've been getting a lot, a lot of Vulcan stuff, a lot of insight into, to Paul and a lot of insight into her past. Um, I liked, I liked, I liked it by and large. Um, I, I thought it was good to see some, you know, kind of insight into other, I, I kind of always like it when, with the, with the Vulcan stuff, when it's not just, you know, Vulcans be doing kind of generic stuff, but when we kind of get to see the, like, different parts of their society, like, the fact that in the episode with the Shadows of Pajem, or with the, the, the episode with Pajem, with the Andarian incident, that uh, we got to see that there actually are Vulcan kind of, like, intelligence officers, and that they they spy on people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was kind of interesting, um, and, and that they were actually being so kind of untruthful about it. Uh, and this, we got to see that, you know, the Vulcans, you know, I just, I think it's that you, you always imagine the Vulcans as being kind of like space monks, and that, that they're just, they don't even bother with, with like these kinds of things. But then you find out, no, they've kind of got their own like special spy division that's going around doing all kinds of sneaky stuff. Um, so I like that. Um, uh, I liked, um, you know, I liked the idea that, you know, maybe, maybe she did, you know, maybe she did kill an innocent person, you know, maybe, and maybe this guy is innocent and maybe kind of, Everything she believes is kind of wrong, um, and so and so I like that. I mean, I thought it was a pretty good little narrative narrative arc. Um, uh, it didn't, you know, it didn't really seem to have any super lasting ramifications, and it and it was sort of uh, another like, oh, T'Pol can trust Archer, Archer can trust T'Pol, you know. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we've we've actually had that kind of reinforced a lot. So, um, but I, I I think in general I liked it. It was a little action-packed little romp. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I liked uh, getting more of T'Pol's backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, did you believe for a second that Manos was innocent? No. No, me neither. No. And I don't know if that... Does that just mean we're cynical? Yeah, probably. Or was it just not handled very convincingly? Maybe, probably that. I don't know, I'd like to think we're not that cynical. Um, uh, what was the... There was the... One of the things, oh, yeah, the other thing about T'Pol and getting her background a little more is that we're starting to see why it makes sense that she is such a kind of a badass. Um, like in, in Marauders, when she she's teaching them how to do uh, the the Vulcan, uh, what's it called, Seussman or whatever? Uh, it's like named after Mike Sussman, one of the writers, uh, the, the Vulcan martial art. Mm-hmm. And she's showing them how to do that. And then she actually goes and, and actually fights fights Klingons, like, in hand-to-hand. And I was just thinking, oh, man, how did she get to be... Like, are all Vulcans just really badass fighters? Like, what's going on here? And then it turns out she's actually been kind of like a secret agent. Right. 
for a while. So yeah. that's interesting. Who became a scientist. <laughs> right. That's a bit of a career change. Um, but I, I will say, um, you know, to Paul started out being probably one of my lesser favorite, I wouldn't say least favorite, but, you know, definitely not one of my favorite characters. Um, and I was really, I mean, I know she's a Vulcan, but she was like way too Vulcan for me, mm-hmm. for my taste. So I'm, I'm not a Spock person, you know? Um, but, you know, even, uh, even, uh, Tuvok, you know, was not quite as, as heavy duty Vulcan. Um, but I've really come around on her. Um, I think that she's a pretty cool character. Yeah, I mean, I think that was the point to make her so Vulcan in the beginning, was mm-hmm. to have this character arc. Yeah. And uh, it seems to be kind of progressing so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was cool just to see more T'Pol stuff. Um, and, yeah, to see her kick some butt. Uh, there were a lot of moments in that where I was like, why don't they just stun him? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they could have just all along just kind of stunned him. You know, instead of... Uh, you know, giving him a chance to escape or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I will say that, that Enterprise has definitely not been um has definitely not been the best with with kind of taking advantage of, of plot devices at their disposal. Mm-hmm. Or like things like the fa- phasers that stun people. Yeah, it makes them seem kind of yeah. I don't know, ignorant or yeah. <laughs> There's actually something ignorant of their own property in a way. Um, I'm not, I mean, that sounds really harsh. So sorry if anyone involved with the show is listening. I'm not saying you're ignorant of your own property. Um, it might seem that way sometimes. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Uh, and there's actually, there's actually an incident, inst, instance of, uh, of this to an extent in the next episode we're going to talk about uh, that I'll, I'll have to remember to bring up. When we're done talking about that. Yeah. Next episode, we're going to talk about The Communicator. Hmm. Uh, but we're going to take a little break first. What if a backward culture were to glimpse the future? The Communicator. It's gone. It's crucial we retrieve the technology. I think we found a pair of enemy spies. We're visitors, not spies. They're going to be executed. What if we did tell them the truth? And we're back. Let's talk about Star Trek Enterprise Season 2, Episode 8, The Communicator. Original air date, November 13th, 2002. Episode begins when a shuttle pod flies up from a planet to Enterprise. In the launch bay, Hoshi, Archer, and Reed exit the shuttle pod. They are wearing weird clothes and have prosthetics on their foreheads. Uh, they were apparently visiting a pre-warp culture that lots of hills and impressive architecture. As they're putting away their gear, Reed realizes that he doesn't have his communicator. Oh, there we go. Uh, opening credits. Uh, when the episode comes back, Reed is searching the decontamination area for his communicator. Hoshi is checking the shuttle pod, and Archer is looking right outside the shuttle pod in the launch bay. Uh, Reed enters the launch bay and says he can't find it. Archer asks him to recall when he had the communicator last. Uh, he doesn't remember taking it out after calling to Paul. So either he dropped it or got pickpocketed. So retrace your steps. On the bridge, Trip to Paul, Reed, and Archer are watching Hoshi search for the communicator's signal. Apparently, there's a war brewing on the planet. Uh, T'Pol says that they need to get the communicator as they can't contaminate a pre-warp culture. 
Hoshi has narrowed things down to three city blocks. Reed recognizes the fountain with the statues and the tavern across the street. The communicator may have slipped out of his pocket when they sat down. Uh, Archer and Reed leave. Trip wants to go with them, but Archer says no. Trip's always stuck on the ship. Yeah, I know. He just he just wants to go. Uh, the shuttle pod containing Archer and Reed leaves Enterprise. Reed feels guilty and is prepared for any punishment that Archer is going to dole out. Uh, Archer jokes about 30 years in the brig or a flogging, but he says that losing the communicator was just an accident. The shuttle pod lands in a forest. Archer and Reed enter the tavern. They sit at a booth and Reed starts searching. No dice. Uh, Reed uses his scanner, but a waiter comes over and welcomes them back. He is very interested in Hoshi. Uh, the waiter leaves and helps some soldiers. Reed goes back to scanning. Uh, he found the communicator in a room in the tavern. It's not a room that Reed had been in before, however. Uh, Archer and Reed head over to the hallway as the waiter and the soldiers look at them. Reed uses his scanner again. There are two people in the room, so Archer and Reed are going to wait for them to leave. They head back to their table, but the soldiers stand up to fight them. Uh, there's a scuffle. Uh, but the soldiers manage to get guns on Archer and Reed, and they go back to the room. In the room, Archer and Reed are greeted by a soldier who is holding the communicator. He wants to know what it is, uh, but Archer claims to not know what it is. The soldiers dig through Archer and Reed's pockets and find communicators, scanners, and a phase pistol. The leader of the soldiers is very interested in the phase pistol. Uh, the soldiers think Archer and Reed are enemy spies. Now, you would think they lost some technology. Why bring more technology down to the surface? Yeah, exactly. <sighs> uh, on the bridge of the Enterprise, the crew is worried because it's taking too long. T'Pol tries hailing Archer. There's no response. They were able to find Archer's communicator, which is more than 30 kilometers from the tavern. T'Pol wants Hoshi to locate Archer and Reed via their bio signs, but there are too many people in the city, so, uh, and they can't go to lower orbit because then they'd be detected. Archer and Reed are in a prison. Reed's feet are hurting. Archer hopes that the soldiers don't find the shuttle pod. Reed wants to tell the soldiers the truth to prove that they aren't part of the Alliance. Archer isn't sure that they would be believed. The soldiers take Archer and Reed away to meet who is, I assume, the previously mentioned General Gosis. <laughs> Gosis wants to know who the captain is because T'Pol had called the communicator earlier. Archer reveals that he is the captain, but not in the military. Gosis asks questions about the various devices Archer and Reed had on them. Archer and Reed say nothing, and Archer gets slapped. Gosis finds it very convenient that they were visiting the city on the same day as Chancellor Kultare. Archer again insists that they are visitors and not spies. When asked where T'Pol is, Archer says nothing. Archer and Reed get beaten. Archer's prosthetic forehead starts peeling, and Gosis pulls it off completely. One of the soldiers notices that Reed's blood is red. Uh, Gosis wants them taken to a man named Temek for a full examination. 
In the Situation Room on the Enterprise, Hoshi has found Archer and Reed. Mayweather notes that how well fortified it is. Uh, Trip wants to take a shuttle pod down, but T'Pol warns that if they were captured, the people on the planet would have more of Enterprise's technology. A whole lot more. Trip wants to use the Sulabon cell ship that they have had since Broken Bow because it can cloak. Hmm. You know, let them have that. Then they could just blame it on the Sulaban. <laughs> <laughs> ah, we didn't contaminate a pre-warp civilization with our tech. Ah, stupid Sulaban. Yeah, because a cloaking device wouldn't be even more dangerous to have. All right. Uh, in a cargo hold, Trip and Mayweather are working on the Sulaban cell ship. The cloaking device isn't working. Trip works on a panel, and there's a shockwave that knocks Trip down. The shockwave has caused things to start disappearing, including Trip's right forearm and hand. In sick bay, Phlox is examining Trip's arm. He thinks that Trip's arm will eventually rematerialize. In the meantime, Phlox gives him a glove. <laughs> I mean, there's not a lot Phlox can do. I, I know. I just think it's funny that you know he needs to kind of put on a little glove so he has a visible hand. In the compound, Ghostus is trying the phase pistol. There's a small explosion. Ghostus's underling tries the second setting on the phase pistol. He fires, and there's a huge explosion. Ghostus is worried that the Alliance is equipped with these weapons that they once thought were just theoretical. A man, who I assume is Temek, enters and hands Ghostus x-rays of Archer and Reed's torsos. They are shocked at what they find. Temek concludes that Archer and Reed are from another species. In an interrogation room, or maybe Ghostus' office, mm -hmm. uh, Ghostus is explaining to Archer and Reed about what Temek found. He didn't believe that they might be aliens until a surveillance aircraft found their shuttle pod flying by at a very high speed. Ghostus wants to know what their orders are and if they made contact with the Alliance. Archer lies and says that if Ghostus believes in aliens, he is even more delusional than the Alliance thought. <laughs> the shuttle pod, Archer explains, is a highly experimental suborbital aircraft. Uh, Temek asks about the, their biological abnormalities, and Reed says that they've been genetically enhanced to be immune to biological and chemical weapons and to heal 30% quicker. Archer says that they're the only two prototypes, and all of their equipment are prototypes, too. Uh, Temek finds their story plausible, but he wants to extract their organs so he can study them closer. So Ghostus orders Archer and Reed's execution. Mm, it didn't quite go as, as planned. <laughs> On the bridge of the Enterprise, Hoshi intercepts a communique from Ghostus to the Chancellor. He's captured two enemy spies, and he's going to hang them. In the Sulaban cell ship, Tripp and Mayweather are still trying to make the cloaking device work. Tripp's hand is still cloaked. Uh, Tripp and Mayweather discuss what a cloaked hand would be good for. Mayweather says poker. Tripp says becoming a magician. And Mayweather says movie night if you bring a date. So Tripp can steal some popcorn, of course. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, they try the clicking device again, and it only partially works. T'Pol enters the room. She tells them that uh, Archer and Reed are going to be executed in less than two hours. Mm -hmm. 
Trip will try to get the cloaking device working on their way down because the cell ship is more resilient than a shuttle pod. In their cell, Archer and Reed are trying to figure out a way to escape. Reed wants to know what Enterprise will do after they're executed. Archer says that T'Pol won't want to leave any contamination behind, so she'll find a way to get everything back, including their remains. Archer considers telling them the truth. Ultimately, Archer decides that it's best to prevent more contamination, even if it means sacrificing their lives. The Sudavon cell ship containing T'Pol, Trip, and Mayweather leaves for the planet. Uh, Archer and Reed are taken from their cell. On the Sudaban ship, something's wrong with the cloaking generator, and the cell ship decloaks as it enters the atmosphere. The weapon nodes are active, however, because they have been programmed to activate when they launched. Tabal tells them that the military ships are approaching. Uh, Archer and Reed are taken to the gallows. Meanwhile, the Sudaban ship is trying to avoid weapons fire from the military ships. Trip manages to activate the cloaking device. As they're being taken to the gallows, Archer stops in front of Gosis and tells him that Reed is a tactical officer and can tell him about the Alliance's strategies if he's kept alive. They both get taken up to the gallows anyway. Uh, suddenly, there's the sound of a ship landing nearby. An arm holding a phase pistol appears out of nowhere and starts firing at the soldiers. Trip and T'Pol drop out of the ship, shooting at the soldiers and freeing Archer and Reed. Before they can all leave, Archer is going to get the equipment Ghostus took from Archer and Reed earlier. Uh, Archer grabs all the equipment and their x-rays and gets back to the ship. Uh, Ghostus watches in shock as Archer disappears into the invisible craft. <laughs> in the cell ship, Mayweather is taking them to the shuttle pod. Archer is searching all over the place for something. He dropped a scanner, which Reed found on the floor of the cell ship. Uh, later, Archer is waiting in his ready room when T'Pol enters. She tells him about a blue giant cluster three light years away. There are no inhabited planets, which Archer says is a nice change of pace. He tells T'Pol that she took a risk rescuing them, even with the cell ship, but he's glad she did. Uh, he's glad he got all the equipment back, too. But T'Pol tells him that they did do damage to the people because they changed their perception of the Alliance. They contaminated a culture even without leaving technology behind. Uh, T'Pol did not expect that Archer was willing to sacrifice his life to prevent contamination, however. In Sick Bay, Phlox is examining Trip's hand, which has reappeared, except for a small hole. And that's the end of the episode. Yeah. And what, what could he use the small hole for? He could, like, look through his hand at people? I don't know. Uh, he could say that he's the Messiah? I don't know. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> space Messiah. Trip is Space Messiah. Um, so you already pointed out the, the inconsistency with, you know, why, why did they risk, you know, taking more technology down? Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess one of them should have had a communicator, but anyways, my thought from earlier was that if ever there was an instance, I think so far on Enterprise, where it would have been warranted to try um, beaming them onto the ship with the, the cargo transporter, uh, this would have been it. Yes. Um, <laughs> if they're about to be, uh, if they're about to be hung, 
uh, the gallows, um, and they know the Enterprise crew knows this is going to happen, they should be able to get a lock on them and beam them aboard. But I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> I mean, okay, maybe they can say, oh, we couldn't get close enough for the transporter because mm. we'd be detected. But mm. yeah, throughout the entire episode, I was like, why aren't they just beamed out? Well, because actually they used the the transporter on the um on the Andorian incident, right? Mm-hmm. They beamed um Reed and a security team down to the um down to Pajem. Right. So it's not unheard of to use the transporter to transport humans. In fact, they sent several people using it. <laughs> yeah, but well, I mean, like yeah. I said, they did say that they couldn't get any closer to orbit, well, and okay, in the I world guess. of Enterprise, they need to be within range to transport. So wait, they couldn't get any closer because they were worried about the the inhabitants of the planet seeing the Enterprise, uh, or or detecting them on radar or something. But what I mean, it's a pre warp civilization. What if they see the Enterprise? It's not like they're going to be able to like shoot it down or something right but uh. they just don't want them to see a ufo <laughs> oh right right i mean there was like a heavy there you got to a point on this where there's very much like a heavy alien kind of you know alien encounter sort mm-hmm. of vibe where you know they're talking about ooh, maybe they're aliens from outer space right um, it, it's flipping the roles Right, exactly. Which was kind of interesting, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I didn't really see, you know. Oh, I thought it was it was pretty a pretty big leap on um, the part of uh, on, the, on Archer's part to be like a quantum oh, leap. A quantum leap, in fact. Uh, <laughs> well, well played, sir. <laughs> Just to say, uh, oh yeah, we're genetically engineered, or maybe it was uh, maybe it was Reed that said they were. Genetically yeah, engineered. because yeah, Reed had thought of that because he was thinking of the Suliban. Yeah, yeah, that they're, I mean, that was a good callback to the Suliban, but, you know, what if the people on this planet had never even heard of genetic, genetic engineering? They're like, well, what does that even mean? <laughs> How primitive are they? Yeah. We don't know, but, uh, I, hmm, I had problems with it, but, uh, I, I think it was, it tried something. <laughs> I'll give it that. I mean, it tried something. It was, um, uh, you know, I didn't, didn't really, you know, feel like the characters in that much danger or anything, but, um, it was an interesting, uh, look at what might happen, I guess, if you leave some tech behind on a mission like this. And it, it certainly is a good rationale for why. The, why the Federation eventually, you know, creates the Prime Directive and, 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 and I guess for the most part is like, don't mess with pre-warp civilizations at all, except for when they set up like cloaking blinds and hide behind them. And that always leads to problems too. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you could see why the Vulcans always observe from way up in orbit. Yeah, because I can only imagine like, this is probably, this is a good example. I mean, this has probably happened to the Vulcans before. Like, a lot. And then they were like, oh, yeah, we should uh, just probably not even go down there. But then, you know, we have the episode where the Vulcans were living among humans. So there you go. Sure. What, what do you know? Um, go, yeah, go ahead. Uh, this episode really reminded me of Detained, uh, the one where uh, Archer and Mayweather were in the Suliban yeah. camp. Yeah, it was very similar. I feel, feel to it. 
Mm-hmm. You're, that's right. Um, it did. It. Um, uh, I was going to say about the, the the kind of story, the story element of having having the the technology left behind. You know, I'd, I would almost prefer a story where it wasn't so immediate, like, oh, well, we have to go down and retrieve this right away. It'd be interesting to, you know, have them go observe something and then, like, oh, we're passing on our way back through and then they realize, oh, no, there's been some kind of catastrophe on this planet. And they realize, oh, crap, it's because we accidentally left a piece of our technology down there. You know, Mm -hmm. it would be... It would be really, it would be messed up, but it would be like very, I think it would have a huge impact, you know, if, if something really dramatic happened as a result. So you want the Star Trek equivalent of the gods must be crazy. <laughs> yes, they drop a star, a space Coke bottle and then it just really screws stuff up. <laughs> but I think it could be interesting, like if you fi- they find out that, um, like I can, you know, here I'm writing fan fiction while we're doing the podcast, but uh, I'm imagining them, you know, going through and having dealings with, you know, uh, dealings or, you know, interacting with a with a race of people, and they go down and they don't realize they've left something behind, and that maybe it's maybe it's a, a planet where there's two warring factions or something. They come back through and they find out that the the bad guys have won, and it was because they utilized the technology that was left behind or something. Yeah, yeah I, I think that would have been more interesting. Um, actually, when I was thinking about transporters, why didn't they just transport the communicator out? Uh, yeah. Yeah, because, well, that's the thing. The shuttle pods don't have transporters. That's right. That's right. next generation stuff. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's just limitations of their technology. Well, yeah. that that's the explanation. We'll give it to you, Enterprise. <laughs> I mean, I I, uh, I I I hesitate to say it yet again, but it wasn't the wasn't the worst episode, but it wasn't the greatest episode. Well, I mean, after a night in sickbay, every episode is, is not the, the worst episode. episode. Yeah, right. Literally, I'm glad we've had this baseline set, so we can no longer say. So we can be accurate when we're saying this is not the worst episode of Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, next time, we're going to talk mm-hmm. about Singularity and Vanishing Point. Ooh. This kind of sounds similar. Well, maybe they'll be tied together again. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Looking uh, forward to it. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll talk to you later. All right. Bye.